listening to Creative and Curious, a weekly podcast made for creative seekers who are compelled to let your inner artist reign free. Here we explore the mystery of how creating makes us better humans and artists. I'm Marika, and welcome to today's Discoveries. Welcome to episode two of Creative and Curious season two. I am so excited to have you here. I want to explore something that I actually find difficult, which is figuring out what is clarity and how to know when you're clear about something. This is, I think, sort of the secret sauce of a creative life is clarity. And and it's just no easy feat. I wish it was for me anyways. I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to figure out clarity. What's my next thing? What's the biggest bang for my buck? How do I take one step in front of the other and move in the direction that I want to go in my creative life? And uh, I'm really thinking about it because I just came out of what I think is a couple weeks, maybe longer of a lot of muddle and a lot of confusion. I was thinking that it was time for me to do something else. I started researching all my new and wonderful paths that I could go down. I got a little lost in all the things that I could do and all the choices. And I started getting really frustrated because I really didn't know what was best. What was it best to go back to my painting life only? Um, How could I get back into the classroom? Is the podcast even something that I want to do, even though I actually really enjoyed this podcast? I kind of threw everything up in the air and watched it. (laughs) I was just sitting there going, look at everything and feeling like I had to make a choice with a lot of fear and trepidation in making a choice too. And that, my friends, is not clarity. That's called being frustrated and being completely muddled. So a few things happened that sort of jolted me out of this feeling of muddle. And I don't know, I was talking to my husband about this and I was really frustrated. And then I got frustrated with him. And it was strange because even as I was saying frustrated things at him now, suddenly there's a voice in my head, a very clear but quiet voice that told me, The thing you need to do is finish your novel. That's what you have to do. And it was, it was such a clear moment in the middle of this frustration in this middle, in the middle of an emotional outburst, you know, where I, I was really starting to move my attention away from myself and towards my husband. And suddenly, I guess that's it by moving my attention away from myself and towards my husband, it opened up a space for this voice to come. Finish your novel. Okay, so that's a scary thing for me to finish the novel. There's a lot of history there. And I was sort of thinking about that for a while. But it was the first clear, really clear message that I had gotten from myself about all these options I had thrown up in the air. And then the second thing that happened 
I uh, was talking to my husband again, a little bit more about all this and kind of pushing towards, I need to do the writing. I need to finish what I started kind of thing. And my husband, who's not the most emotional person, he doesn't show a lot of emotion. He, he did this little twitchy thing with his body. Like he crossed his legs and he just had this total, like sudden frustration about him. And he goes to, and he says to me, you're so frustrating. Why don't you just do it? And then it all went away. Like all this twitchy, frustrated, like angsty thing against me just went back into his normal sort of calm demeanors. It was a little eruption of frustration on his part, but it made me stop because he's usually not like, like that, number one. And it was some really honest feedback. I was being frustrating. And it made me think, hmm, am I being frustrated? I'm definitely frustrated. I must be frustrating in some way. And he's just super annoyed with me because I've not making a decision when, in fact, I'm sort of circling around the decision that I know I need to make. It stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, he's totally right. I've been going down all these other paths. And the thing that I need to do is I totally know what it is. And at this point, I'm just freaking out and being scared and um, thinking of all the things that could go wrong if I do it and all that stuff. There's just a lot of unknowns. The next thing is I'm going to finish what I've started and I'm going to get some resources together. I'm going to start taking some classes to help me stay motivated and get some people behind me. So I did it. I started taking, I, I started to make some steps in the direction of the resources and support that I need to get through what I now understand is the marathon in the middle. I've got all this stuff written and now I'm sort of muddling through, you know, 90,000 words to try to figure out exactly what the nugget, what the story actually is about. And there are lots of reasons for that, but there you go. That's what I'm doing. The other thing that was helpful in giving me some clarity was I actually listened to my own podcast about being frustrated, <laughs> which was my last episode. It was all about how I approach creative processes, uh, being frustrated and impatient. And, and then I just did it to myself for a few weeks. Listening to it, I was like, oh, my God. I'm totally doing this again. It's just exactly what I said in that podcast. Like I, this is how I approach it. I get frustrated. I get impatient. I do all these things and I'm just doing it again and I've got to let it go. It was an interesting uh, weekend, slow opening of clarity. I'm grateful for it, but I'm also curious about it. I'm curious where the clarity comes from um, because I, it, it's not like we're clear all the time there are moments in your life when you're very clear. And I've had those moments too. When I, when I took up my teaching career, when I really started um, doing some painting and workshops and stuff like that, there were moments where I knew at those times, those were the right things to be doing then in those moments. I also knew, and it, it became true that they weren't things that I was going to do for the rest of my life. I mean, we all evolve, we all learn, we all move towards other things to new challenges, those kinds of things. And in that movement towards new challenges, in that movement towards, you know, finding our potential or realizing different dreams, there's always a muddle. There's always confusion. It's, it's, it's always scary to invite change in your life. It happens. Change happens. So clarity is rare in those moments. But from those three stories, from the silent voice, the very quiet voice inside me telling me, what to do when I was talking to my, my husband 
um, my husband's own eruptions and even listening to my own podcast, what I was doing was listening, right? Clarity, clarity comes from listening to the voice inside, right? And even outside when my husband told me I was being frustrated and even listening to my podcast, right? It was all about listening, being still enough, letting go of all the other things and actually just listening, like letting go of the thoughts and the judgments and the criticisms of myself. I had, I had some for my husband for sure, but letting go of those things and just being open allowed more clarity for myself. Yeah. When they bring their honest God opinion, something like you're being frustrating, they can help you find this clarity. The interesting outcome of this is, huh, I need to practice listening. And I thought initially when I did this, I was going to talk about being still because I think that being still is an important part of finding clarity. But as I worked through my notes for this episode, I realized that it wasn't being still. It was actually this skill set of listening. And I think there's a lot of stuff out there that says that generally we're not that great at listening. Pretty got a lot of thoughts in our heads. And we're listening pretty hard to some of those thoughts and criticisms and judgments in our heads, but also in the culture in general. But actually learning to listen to that real true voice, the one that really wants to help you and finding it is is a uh, tricky, tricky skill. Interesting, because I did a, a webinar book release thing with Julia Cameron, who's one of my creative heroes. She wrote The Artist's Way, which, which I'm sure that I talked about in a previous episode. And she released a new book called The Listening Path. It's a six-week course on fine-tuning your listening. And listening to her talk about it in this webinar was really interesting to me. I, I did start it this week, and it really got me thinking about listening already. Because the first week, you're just listening to your environment. You're just listening to the sounds around you. It's not even listening to my husband or my kids or anything like that. It's just when I wake up in the morning and I go outside, I can hear the birds and the traffic and the swish of the cover on my seat and the water boiling and all of these things, just fine tuning into your environment this way brings you to a path of present, of enjoying and being in the present. If you are actually only listening to the moment. That's the only thing you can do is be in the moment. A lot of these thoughts and judgments sort of disappear and space starts to be created for just the way the world is, which is kind of great. But I think what I'm appreciating about this practice of just listening to the environment is that it's something that you feel like you can do while you're being present, which is just listening. It's kind of great. And there's lots to listen to. It's kind of, I mean, you might initially think, oh no, everything's really quiet or there's a lot to listen to. Your heartbeat, the way that my joints snap, which they do all the time, like just the process of this sort of music that follows me around, which is my body, the way that it makes these snapping sounds when I move out of a cross-legged position and 
it's uh, it's my body actually talking to me. It's sort of interesting. So there's lots to listen to, too, just for no other reason than to just actually recognize how kind of miraculous the world is around you, making all these noises, actually talking to you like the world is actually talking to you. There is this consciousness in it. Practice of listening can help and get us to, I think, to, to clarity because it starts creating these open spaces. I also have a practice of stillness, which like I, like I said before, I thought I would talk about more because it has made me a better listener. I just didn't realize it until I started thinking about it this way. But I do have a morning ritual and it's been very refined over this last year with the pandemic and all the different ways that life has been sort of turned upside down. I have a perch. I have an outdoor area. I have a beautiful seat and a lovely view of the sunrise. When I wake up, I have some coffee I can make out there. I light a candle. I might burn some incense or sage. When my coffee's ready, I sit down and I meditate uh, to probably a Deepak Chopra meditation. I really like the Oprah Uh, Deepak Chopra meditation. I think I've talked about that before as well. I've been meditating like this for maybe three or four years on a regular basis. And then I do Byron Katie's work or I journal. And I kind of take from a couple of different strategies for my journaling. For the most part, I work with Byron Katie because I have found that transformational in the last uh, nine months. But sometimes I sort of combine my journaling with a Julia Cameron artist way approach as well, depending on what it is that I'm I'm working on. It's a very introspective, reflective process. It's the way that I start my day. Yet it's a lot of doing, too. It's just like when I was talking about listening, this whole thing that I'm doing, the waking up, the coffee, the lighting a candle, the meditating, the work and journal. It's not quiet. It's not still. My mind is not quiet. There's a lot going on in there. It's crazy how often I find myself in meditation thinking about something and I don't try to stop it either. I just observe it. Sometimes I let it go and I get back to center and other times I'm just not that disciplined, but it does make it very, very clear to me what I'm thinking about for the day. What are the things that are bothering me? Those kinds of things become so clear in that meditation. I strongly recommend just spending that time and then recognizing that even though my body's still the mind is is very, very busy. And that's part of why clarity is so difficult, because if we don't like kind of sit with what's going on in our head, start unpiecing it, start unraveling it, it gets muddled. Clarity, this idea of what you should be doing or what you want to be doing or what's true to you, what's authentic to you is muddled in all of that stuff in the head that a lot of times we're not even aware that we're doing. I know that I, I'm not. I'm not even saying for a moment that I've, I'm clear, like I said, clear all the time or that my thoughts have quieted that much. They're still there. I'm still unconscious in a lot of ways. I think if anything, I'm just much more aware that I'm unconscious. It's not that I've fixed it. Byron Katie's work, like I said, has been transformational for me. And I've been very, very dedicated to doing that work regularly, almost every day. I'm almost as I'm almost as consistent with it as I am with my meditation. Basically, you can easily look up her work. It's called thework.com and find all the worksheets and information you need if you're really, really curious about how to do it. Um, she doesn't try to hide it. She doesn't try to make you turn in a lot of money to figure out what she's talking about. 
I appreciate that about her. You, she has a podcast. She has free sessions uh, every week that you can go to. And if you want to spend some money on, you know, a webinar or a book, you can do that too. But her work's very simple. You're basically just questioning your thoughts. And for somebody like me, I think this is the best therapy because basically you look at a thought that you have and you ask it four questions. Uh, you ask that thought, is it true? The next question is, is it really true? The next question is, what do I think? What images, what feelings do I believe when I think of that thought? What am I believing? The final question is, who would I be without the thought? And then you turn it around. Just a really quick example. Again, you can find a lot of this online. If I say to myself, writing a book is too hard. I can look at it. Is it true? Well, for me, it's feeling really true right now. It just feels too hard. Is it really true? It can't be that. It cannot be true because a lot of people write a book. It's, it's not an impossible task. It might be like a marathon, but it's not an impossible task. So it can't be too hard. What do I think when I believe that thought? When I think that it's too hard, I think that I'm not good enough for it. I might even think something like, maybe I think too much of myself. I feel sad. I feel like a victim of the book. I feel like alone. All of these thoughts, just because I have one thought, writing a book is too hard. I feel like I don't have the tools or the skills, for example. And all of those thoughts, all those beliefs, who would I be without the thought? Well, I would just be writing a book. I don't have to make a story about it. I don't have to make the story up about it being too hard. I just write the book and I know what it's going to take a while because books just take a while to write. That's the way they are. And then you can turn it around. So the statement is writing a book is too hard. The opposite is writing a book is not too hard. And you can look at that. That might be true. And I will, I would write about how that might be true for me. Like, for example, I wrote a book when I was 22 just to tell myself later on, hey, this is not too hard for you. You can do this. I didn't want to do anything with that book. It's crazy. I do that kind of stuff. I can't say that it's too hard because I did it once. Anyway, so you can see how it works. So you can really kind of unpack how a thought works and how it might be undermine you. It might actually undermine you. It's not always helping you. These thoughts about things being too hard or impossible. I do that with my relationship with my kids and my husband and myself. And it's been transformational. It has changed my relationship with my kids and my husband and myself. And I'm more empowered. And lately, I've been doing a lot of that work just on my creative life, too. And and working through some of my own issues around creativity. It's an important distinction, that idea. You have a thought and we often make the mistake that just because we think it, it must be true. That's not the case. And for me, just having a clear and honest conversation about how that's working for me, it's been great. Julia Cameron, she recommends doing morning pages, which is three pages of journaling every morning. And sometimes I kind of borrow from that as well when I'm working on maybe the storytelling that I'm telling myself when it's a little bit more elaborate than some thoughts. And it really helps me uh, dig deeper into these stories, not just thoughts, but stories that I have about myself or others. Uh, it does help me also work with my characters and writing this book. Some other things that can help get in touch with who I am and what I'm thinking so that I can create the spaciousness for clarity 
I have had counseling and coaching around my relationship with my husband that has really helped me also. And of course, just reading books too. I read all the time. Lately, it's been fiction. That's really helpful for the craft of writing. Other books, you know, like Byron Katie's books, those kinds of things can help me become more reflective and offer some spaciousness for the voice, for this clear and present voice to listen to. With the more that we can reflect and sift through some of this stuff, the junk, the fear, the limiting beliefs, the harmful thoughts, or people even in your life, the more that you can kind of clear that away, you can unpack them, give them away. And then you have room, an empty space that allows clarity, allows listening. It allows listening for the clarity. So the stillness, right? It becomes a kind of the spaciousness that you create where the thoughts are less powerful and sometimes gone as if you are the divining rod. A divining rod is like you see it in cartoons. I think sometimes where it's like a stick and the cartoon character holds onto each side and goes looking for water with this thing. And it starts to like vibrate when it gets to water. And there, if you've got that clarity that still you can feel the vibration, the energy of yes, right? That, that, that voice that's out there, you can become open. You can take the divining rod of your heart. For me, that's where I feel it. I feel it in my heart. And maybe you feel it in your gut or your throat or in your head, but you can use that clear space, sweep it across the landscape of your life feel the vibration, the energy that changes when you hit on something that's telling you where to go. And sometimes that's the voice, you need to finish your novel. Or sometimes that's the husband, you're being so frustrating. Sometimes that's your own creations, like my podcast or art, something you wrote in your own journal. When you hit on it, it makes you stop. It makes you think in some ways captures your attention. And some people would say that it's vibrational, like your energy just gets super high. It can feel like that. It can also just feel like it's resolve. It's bravery. It's suddenly you deciding that you're not going to be scared anymore. So it's sort of a falling away of something that might be making you tense. And that could be this energy lifting, right? The point being, it can be subtle. And that's why you need that spaciousness or it can be like a high vibration. Suddenly it's so obvious, right? There's more still spaciousness that you create. It can create this platform for contrast because the clarity contrasts with the stillness. It contrasts with the spaciousness. It's like echo. It will, it will hit you. It will, it will be obvious in that spaciousness. It's just so clear. That's my theory anyway. It's what we give ourselves. Thank you for spending this time with me and for spreading the word about Creative and Curious. You can find me here every Thursday with new thoughts and insights on creativity, curiosity, and life. Tell me what you think. Please email me your comments and questions at marika at marikarenke.com. And if you feel inclined, 
leave a review. They really do mean the world to me, and they'll help this podcast reach people just like you. And the best thing that you can do, keep creating. Thanks again.